the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Everyone's talking yield curve inversion, so I'm not going to. Everyone is afraid of the next recession, and it will happen. It'll probably happen, let's say I live another 40 years. It'll probably happen another five or six times in my lifetime. Maybe more, maybe a little less. I'm okay with it. What I will say is... You kind of have to, I'm not going to say you want to get ready for it. You just don't want to be surprised by it. We are in, I'm not going to say unprecedented. We've had a really good year and a really good nine years on Wall Street. And if you look back 25 years, we've had a really good, really good period of creating wealth. And I look at that as a lifetime. Because from 0 to 18, I don't expect you to buy stocks. I don't. I expect you to be young and beautiful. From 18 to 30, I don't think you're going to have your, your poop together so that you can go out and you know do everything that you want to do. Go to college, fall in love, potentially buy a house, go to Europe, go to a white party on New Year's Eve. I know you're saying, you're hip, Rob. You're cool. You're one of a kind. You're right on. You go to white parties on New Year's Eve? No, of course not. But I know people that do. I do know people that go to things like that, and I'm always like, really? So what I want to talk about is say we went through a great recession. It wasn't a good recession. It wasn't an awesome recession. It was a great recession 10 years ago. And stock prices fell by 50% top to bottom. That's a big one. That's a, like, whoa. That's not like a fun size Snickers. That's like a full size recession. 50% peak to trough. Peak was October 2007. Trough was March 2009. That's a long time. You can do October, November, December, January. Like You're like, whoa. So I'm not saying it's going to happen again. I'm saying be ready, not for a worst case now, but start thinking like, what if the stocks don't go up 20% next year? What are they going to do? What am I going to do? Um, NASDAQ dropped 55%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped 54%. The S&P 500 dropped 57%. And essentially what you have there is a, a full-blown correction. So that was just 10 years ago. So yeah, my producer, he was like 15, but I wasn't. I remember it. 
he's probably thinking like, oh, that was a great year for Call of Duty. The new franchise came out and it was awesome. Sometimes we don't, because it wasn't his lifetime. His lifetime of investing is going to be like 30, maybe 25 to 60 years old. Um, and the last 25 years have been great. And yet 10 years ago, we had a rough, a rough, rough go of it. So what would I be doing now? I would note that internet stocks as a group are not terribly expensive right now. They're not terribly cheap, according to historical ranges. But internet stocks got hit hard last time. Any company that is losing money could get hit hard. Sometimes it's your first source of funds. Well, they're losing money. I don't want to own them. Maybe the bathwater. You'll throw some good companies out. So companies that should hold up best in a downturn, names like Facebook, Google, Alphabet, Twitter, Expedia, a lot of the usual suspects, so to speak. Names that might not do quite as well are companies that are losing money, like Carvana and Uber. So start writing down, I mean, do you have an idea or are you just going to play it like a, a gunslinger? And does it bother you when things, you know, ultimately get hit hard? Netflix, according to one analyst, has up to 87% downside in a recession. Because people start going, okay, I still have my job. I still have my job. But I'm a little bit worried. What things can we kill? Gym memberships are pretty easy to kill. Netflix is pretty easy to kill. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Go back to old-fashioned rabbit ears on the television. Any company that you know depends on advertising, it can fall because advertisers will pull back their ad spend, knowing that you're not a strong consumer, that you're a weak consumer in a recession. I see appeal in companies like Amazon, and everyone loves dog stocks. We're trying to humanize dogs. And I'll be honest with you, I got a dog who's a year old now, and I think of her as a member of the family. Um, I've got severe allergies to the dog, and like my doctor said, you need to give it away. I'm like, I'd rather give away my, I'd rather cut my arm off. So I'm going to put up with it, take allergy medicines, because I will. Um, But you're looking for things that have a stickiness to them. Dogs need to eat, recession or no recession. You need electricity in your house, recession or no recession. You need food in your belly, recession or no recession. Now, that brings up a situation where a couple years ago, we would have said, during a recession, people may stop going to Whole Foods, Sprouts, Oliver's, whatever high-end grocery store you go to, Lenardi's, and may go back to Safeway's or Costco's to save money. Costco's are a good recessionary spend in theory. Um, So I think that's all I really have to say about that. I think it's kind of important to start thinking and remembering and writing down. Stocks fell 55% last time there was a big recession. No one sees a great recession happening right now. But the more Trump says, oh, no, there's not going to be a recession, the more you're starting to think about why does he keep saying that? 
like Chad said recently, it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Trump wants to buy Greenland. Me too. Um, pretty funny stuff. Uh, where you're like, I never saw that one coming. 61% of respondents in a poll of Americans said they would not pay anything to acquire Greenland. Now get this, this is the best statistic inside of a survey. Just one-third of respondents to a poll of should the United States buy Greenland said they would pay more than $12. Now, where did that number come from? You could buy a whole island nation for $12? 69% said they would not pay above $100, and only 17% of Americans said they would offer the same amount Harry Truman offered in 1946, which was $100 million. Who knew? It would have some strategic value for sure, getting us a little closer to Europe, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, the markets started off on the weak side today. Um, after three or four up days, kind of August was very volatile on the downside to start the month. And it's now turning into kind of a wait and see, little earnings, little interest rate questions, little deals. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Got an interesting email yesterday from someone who was retired. Her name is Karen. And her email said, when I retired, it was such a huge accomplishment. The promised freedom to do what I want, when I want, was a definite plus. However, once the retirement party was over, I quickly realized just how much of a difference my steady stream of income made in my ability to do things like shop, travel, and even eat dinner out. She wants to write an article for seniors on budgeting on a fixed income or living on a fixed income. I'm like, great idea. You should contact AARP, American Association of Retired People, or other retiree types of communities. Um, but I think it's pretty telling that she said, I quickly realized how much of a difference my steady stream of income made in my ability to do things like shop, travel, and even eat dinner out. So if I could put words, if I can extrapolate here, she didn't save enough for retirement to budget to pay for a budget of the lifestyle she wanted. But she went ahead and did the retirement party anyway. I would say, you know, Karen, maybe you should go back to work. Now that you're starting to see it gets tough and maybe you haven't even seen a situation where you have to dip into your emergency money or you have to dip into your savings a little faster. I throw it out there because I think that's a great email and I think it's very alarming that phrase I quickly realized just how much of the difference my steady stream of income made I don't want to make too big of a deal out of it Greenland is in the news but I'm not going to talk about it don't know why but I'm tired of that story already uh, Dow started off weaker 
it's gotten stronger as the day went on. All markets started off weaker, basically looking at the last three days and saying, hey, we've come up a long way. It's been a bounce. What's next? Now, later this week, we're going to get the Federal Reserve releasing their minutes. And in their minutes, they're going to tell us how they did. So the central bank cut rates by 25 basis points last month, citing global developments, muted inflation. Those minutes come out tomorrow. The sun will come out tomorrow. That's your bottom dollar of the sorrow. Um, Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Interesting. Um, if you know what I'm saying, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So we're going to learn a little bit more about the Federal Reserve and their minutes tomorrow. Um, that's going to be one of the bigger stories that moves the markets. And again, it shows you that we're kind of waiting a little bit. And we'll get there. So, as far as global developments go. Oh, I hit the wrong button. I hate sometimes when I do that. Apple Health Team is facing some departures. They've got some high-profile departures from their health team. Now, Tim Cook says a lot of bold things. Steve Jobs said a lot of bold things. One of the bolder things that they said was that they hope that someday the healthcare that the focus that Apple has on it. Tim Cook said that it will be the greatest contribution to mankind. That's a pretty bold statement, wouldn't you say? I would. Um, so to see departures, do we get worked up about it? No. But do we start thinking about it? For sure. Success or failure starts at the top, and depending on how many people you hire, it could be a big thing. So, who do they lose? Still a little bit too early to talk about that, but we will in a minute. Um, Sources are saying that tension's rising internally with Apple as they're kind of feuding over the direction of the healthcare unit. Keep in mind, you can do an ECG, electrocardiogram, with your Apple Watch. That's pretty cool. Does it save people's lives? Apple has said it probably has. Does it send people to the hospital with false positives? Probably has. But healthcare is kind of a holy grail for tech companies. As we go, okay, yeah, email, blah, 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 blah. Instant messaging, blah, 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 blah. What can we charge people a premium for? An ECG, sure. So some employees have become disillusioned with the group's culture, where some have thrived while others feel sidelined and unable to move their ideas forward. Four of the eight noted that some employees hope to tackle bigger challenges with the healthcare system, such as medical devices, telemedicine, and health payments. Instead, Apple's focus has been on the features geared to a broad population of healthy users. You know, my Apple Watch, I, I, I can't say it's something that I'm 
I would fully endorse everyone get. It's nice when you're on vacation or it's nice when you're trying to watch your health. You're like, I need to walk more. But I could probably write a sign and put it on the wall that says, Rob, walk more. So Apple's commitment to health has been one of the driving forces of the Apple Watch sales. So as iPhone sales slow, the Apple Watch has actually picked up quite well. It's the best-selling watch in the world. I know you're saying that's kind of interesting. Better than Rolex? Yep. A lot of internal tension right now. And are they able to deliver or not? So Apple, keep in mind, are, they're probably working on the next watch and the next watch. But a lot of the people they've hired have started to leave. We'll pay attention to that. It's a flag. It's not a good flag. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. This has been a pretty good year for IPOs, and one of them that's coming public sooner than later is going to be a company called WeWork. I talked about them yesterday because I know people are seduced by IPOs, and you see Beyond Meat, and you go, I want that. But you don't say, oh, but I don't want the Uber's aftermarket performance. Buying an IPO aftermarket, i.e. when it's an initial public offering, it means everyone who's invested in the company privately very, very likely has made money. And that's kind of the risk that you take. What if they want to cash out? There's something to say about that, to know about that, um, versus blindly saying, well, it's a, it's a virgin IPO. I, I want it. It's never been public. Well, keep in mind, a lot of private money has made money on it already, and they're going to be able to cash out for the first time in a long time. So WeWork paid their CEO $5.9 million, somehow, some way, some shape, some form, to use the word we. <laughs> he somehow got the word we kind of in his corner. Pretty shocking, in my opinion. Pretty nauseating. Speaking of nauseating, the man who never gives you nausea, who's not noxious at all, Patrick O'Hara, briefing.com. Um, you've been with me for many, many, many years. You make sense of this market. And uh, let's get into it, Mr. O'Hare. How are you doing? Hey, Rob. I'm doing okay. Always good to be back with you. Yeah, you hear some of my ramblings about IPOs. And um, I don't think the average person realizes everyone's made money but you when you buy an IPO. But moving on, um, what's what's moving the market today? What's the big story out there? Uh, well, I think we're you know kind of just stuck in the similar rut we've been in for a while. I think there's uh, yeah. some added attention or some renewed focus on the, the Treasury yield curve today, uh, which is seen some flattening action and uh and just in terms of a trading queue um that has kind of sufficed as a as a reason not to get overly aggressive in, in the equity market um when you see that flattening uh, uh unfold as it you know creates some worries and some angst about you know what its ultimate meaning is whether it's a true harbinger of a uh significant slowdown or even a recession to come 
you know, or if maybe it's really just a little more than a, an economic head fake that's been brought on by the interest rate differential trade, given, you know, how, uh, well, not just low, but how negative the rates are in Europe and, and Japan. So, um, so there's not, you know, not a lot happening in the market overall today. We've got a lot of retail earnings out, um, which are a focal point. But, you know, from a broader context, I think the market just is sort of, uh, you know, tracking sideways, albeit in a somewhat volatile range. Okay. Okay. Um, a little bit of end of summer going into the fall. Um, what are you expecting? And this is a tough question because it's been kind of one of those tough years to predict. What are you expecting for the back half of 2019 as we head towards 2020? Well, you know, Rob, I mean, obviously the future is inherently uncertain. We can make all the predictions we want. But, you know, having said that, um, it, it seems even more uncertain and more challenging to make such predictions these days because um, just because of, of the volatility in policy making. Um, you know, we don't really have a good line on whether uh, this this trade war is going to get resolved, uh, whether China and the U.S. kind of a, uh, agree to, you know, to a soft compromise on matters, um, or whether, you know, President Trump continues to walk a very hard line and, uh, and, and is willing, you know, to work, walk that hard line right up to the election. Um, so, it, and this is, this is the issue, you know, you're starting to see it really show up in uh, certainly the business investment data, uh, and you're seeing, you know, some weakness availing itself in the manufacturing sector, which, of course, is, you know, right in the mix with um, some of the issues pertaining to the tariffs. Uh, and, of course, if we get this, uh, you know, next round of, uh, of tariffs going on, uh, you're going to see more consumer-oriented companies um, uh, discussing that that adverse impact, and so, um, but at the same time, you know, you might get the you know the the olive branch held out there that makes it all go away, <laughs> and it's just really challenging to 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 determine what what ultimately is going to happen. But of course, you know, one thing that you know, the market seems resolute about is that it's going to continue to get uh, monetary policy support to steer it through this uncertainty. You know, even though what I just said kind of all has somewhat of a negative edge to it, um, you've got a market that's trading pretty close to an all-time high. I mean, we're up 16% for the year on the S&P 500, which is which is a great performance, you know, all things considered. Uh, so the market has been climbing a wall of worry, um, you know, moving up uh, with a lot of uh, hope and, uh, and expectation that, you know, interest rates are going to stay low and, and maybe even go even lower and serve as that supportive construct for risk assets like stocks. Good stuff. What do you think of the news that kind of was out there? And my guess is that it's a trial balloon that talking about a payroll tax cut to kind of help fight the tariff drag on the economy that the White House may try to stimulate the economy with another tax cut. Um, but it's getting shot down pretty fast by the White House. But the New York Times and the Washington Post say, no, it's a true story. They were thinking about it. Um, do we need more stimulus like tax cuts or good idea, bad idea, late in the game? What are your thoughts about even hearing it? Yeah, you know, so I actually talked a little bit about it in my page one column this morning, and I, I described it as, uh, quote, peculiar uh, to hear okay. uh, such reports, you know, only because um, the, the, the administration's main spokesperson, President Trump, obviously continues to uh, share 
the message to anyone who wants to hear how you know how strong the economy is. And in fact, he said just yesterday in a tweet that the economy is very strong. So to then you know hear these correspondent reports that the administration is looking at ways to uh, kind of uh, uh, offset weaker growth. Uh, it kind of muddles the picture, but um, but I think you know I think really you know, that. Uh, the market itself, you know, isn't necessarily um, buying that the message from the president that the economy is very strong. I think it already knew that anyway. And I think we can take for granted, really, that it's, you know, it's fair to say that any administration, Democrat, Republican, what have you, is always considering efforts, you know, at how to stimulate growth. And, uh, you know, so I'm not going to, you know, castigate you know, the Trump administration, you know, for you know, for talking about such measures, e- even at this juncture. But um, but I think, it, you know, it, it resonates, obviously, at a time when you have this flattening yield curve and, and a yield curve that's actually inverted along several portions of it. Uh, and when economic growth concerns are, you know, pressing to the forefront based on an, an obvious slowdown that's transpiring abroad and which seems to start to uh, be filtering here into the United States. So, so it does catch your attention, um, uh, but uh, but it's, it, it should be fairly challenging, I think, uh, given with uh, the, the makeup, the construct of Congress right now, to you know force through any really you know fiscal stimulus uh, at this juncture. I find myself needing a couple more vacation days because the news is just starting to drive me crazy. It seems like Brexit's always in the news. Trump's in the news. Uh, we're buying Greenland. I'm like thinking, maybe I should buy some real estate in Greenland. Um, like, my mind can't get off this stuff, and yet it's very repetitive. Um, and because of that, I'm, I'm starting to get a little discouraged. I need more days off to kind of fight that. Are, are you feeling any of that? Because it just it seems this has been a year about low interest rates. It's been a year about slowing China deal, slowing economy worldwide. Um, Federal Reserve, do they do the right thing? Did they send the wrong signal by doing the right thing and lowering interest? It's, it just seems more than usual for me. But maybe I'm just too close to it. Well, you know, I was thinking, you know, for those of us who, who really do follow it all day, every day, like you and I, um, I, I can obviously, you know, uh, commiserate with you in, in thinking that you know, we might need a few more vacation days. But I think really the, the, the overarching message, though, for most people is that yeah, it, it's probably best to tune these things out, uh, it, it, you know, from a long-term investment standpoint. Uh, they create a lot okay. of volatility. We've seen huge swings in the major indices of late, uh, and yet the market really hasn't gone anywhere a um, couple percent down from its all-time high, but we're basically tracking sideways. So, um, so it might be best to tune out the, the, the headline noise for someone who has that, that long-term-minded orientation. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a little insight. I also work in television, and I'm done usually by 9.30 in the morning. But if there's – I get calls now at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. Can you come on and explain what a recession is? So it's starting to become a little bit more mainstream. It's starting to bleed into what news media, not financial media, wants to report on. Um, anything in the retail numbers that you saw today with Home Depot, with Kohl's, with TJ Maxx, anything interesting to you as far as any tales on what direction the consumer is pointing? 
Um, you, you know, I think that you know that triumvirate really was it was somewhat mixed. Um, you know, okay. um, Home Depot beat estimates, but then cut its you know full year sales outlook, citing you know lumber price deflation. Kohl's beat second quarter expectations, reaffirmed its full year guidance, uh, but the stock's trading down. Um, TJX, you know, met estimates. And guided its third quarter below consensus, but but, but reaffirmed its its full year outlook. And you know, in the case of TJX, I mean, it's 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 certainly a company that faces high expectations and, and tough comparisons. And so you can see why maybe the you know investors didn't react so kindly initially anyway to the to its report. Home Depot, on the other hand, has been uh, treated very well. Um, its report seemingly was better than feared, and um, and obviously with the drop in mortgage rates. Um, you know, I think that the, the the industry backdrop is still fairly good for Home Depot, and I think the market appreciates that in an environment like this, you're trading up the quality curve when it comes to stocks and bonds alike. And Home Depot is certainly a quality company, a good balance sheet, uh, solid dividend, and you know, and it's probably one of those stocks that you know you can okay. you can trust uh, through difficult times. Thanks very much. It's briefing.com. You can find them at briefing.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. It's kind of a big pot of soup day on Wall Street. We're dealing with Home Depot and Kohl's. I like Home Depot as an idea, as an investment thought. It's a play on, I think they're better than Lowe's. And Americans own homes, and as we own homes, we want to throw paint on our walls, and we want to go buy a rake to rake up leaves, and we want to go... There's a play there that Amazon doesn't really breach terribly much, but take a look at it. Lower interest rates today, we're seeing uh, tax ideas floated by the Trump administration on payroll tax cuts. It's a soupy kind of day where we're not getting a lot but we're throwing a lot in the pot. We'll be interested to see how it cooks up. Speaking of cooking up, let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. The one, the only CFP Chad Burton. I was listening to your show this morning, Mr. Burton. Just you're just warning you. <laughs> okay, Burton. gotcha. Did, did you, were you able to stay awake while you were driving in? Um, I was fine. I was fine. So you're pretty <laughs> damn entertaining when talking about yield curves and inversions. Um, everyone seems to want to talk about yield um, inversions and yield curves. And like I was, I was telling briefing.com, Patrick O'Hare, the news station that I work with, they want to talk nonstop recession now. I'm like, well, we have jobs. We, we, we'll get there when we see unemployment rise. But let's talk yield curves and inversions. What are you, what are you seeing in them right now? Because everyone's fascinated on this. Well, yeah, and with the with the media, the way it's distributed these days, it's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy. The more and more people see the headlines, and then the, if you search for it, and then between AI and algorithms, everything else, you're going to start being fed what you're going to react to. That's how social media works. So what what makes you react is what you're going to get fed in terms of your searches, and it feels like sometimes it can be a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it doesn't really matter because recessions happen every set of into 10 years anyway. And people are hearing about this yield curve inversion. It was like for a while last Wednesday on the 14th. Right now, it's not even inverted. Um, and typically, when we have these inversions, it's because the economy is heated up so much that the Federal Reserve wants to slow things down because of inflation, so they start raising short-term interest rates. 
that's not what is happening now. They're now going on an easing cycle, so it was kind of inverted because people were like, oh, the Fed's you know, stuck in a corner here. They have to lower rates because of the trade war. So people kind of did this pile into these bonds um, on the 10-year side, and then, you know, here we are. The Fed's probably got to cut rates now, right? So it was a little different uh, form of inversion. And an inverted yield curve, all it means is that if you look at a, a graph and you've got a horizontal axis and a vertical axis, the horizontal is the length of maturity of the U.S., whatever U.S. bond you're looking at, and the vertical axis is the interest rate. And usually that is a slow slope from the bottom left to the top right, kind of like the stock market over time. Um, right now it's flat, and for a minute it inverted on the two-year and 10-year um, and, and that's that's what it means. But it's like, if you look at it, it's usually at some point, 15 to 22 months later, you have a recession. But if you have a recession anyways, every seven to 10 years, and you've had four inversions over the last 40 years, is it a predictor or is it a coincidence? That's what you kind of have to ask yourself. For the record, I'm trying to rehab the word recession instead of it being a dirty word. I want to make it a good word. And I say things like recessions make lines at restaurants shorter. Recessions make, um, you know, jerks out of college making six figures a little fewer and farther between. Recessions make traffic go smoother. They curb excesses. I don't mind recessions. How's this one approach to a recession different than our last one as far as the yield curve and inversion goes? Well, I think it's just really how you process it in terms of are you retiring? Um and a lot of investors have gotten very aggressive over the last several years. I mean, when I first got into the business 25 years ago, it was typically your 60% bonds, 40% stocks, and now it's just the opposite. And some people have let that stock side run because the market has gone so much higher over the last several years. A lot of people are kind of beyond their risk tolerance. So, you know, if you're within five to 10 years from retirement, you might need to think about what you're doing and rebalance and peel some gains off and make sure you're at the proper risk tolerance. But if you're younger, it's the same as any other recession. Recession, to me, means get your shopping list ready. If you have a pullback in stocks, um, you can consider prefunding your Roth IRAs, increasing your 401k contributions. Um, if your taxes are low, it's a great time if you have a pullback in stocks to do a Roth IRA conversion, where you pay taxes now on your IRA, put it into a tax-free account for the rest of your life. And if you look at market returns, even if you just look at U.S. market returns, Rob, 66% of the time, 12 months later, stocks were higher. And only 33% of the time, stocks were higher 36 months later. But if you are a global investor, it's totally different. Because if you're a global investor, 86% of the time after that 12-month mark of an of a inverted yield curve, yeah. stocks are positive. And 71% of the time, stocks are positive 36 months later as a global investor. So... You kind of have to separate sometimes what's going on in economy and politics from what companies can do to adjust their supply chain, cut costs, um, you know, reinvent themselves in order to continue to make more money. This is capitalism. It's not directly tied to our government. So I think you just kind of answered our third question about, you know, what sort of returns are you looking for after an inversion? Or do you have anything else to say on it? We've got about a minute. Um, no, again, it's just 10 out of 14 cases of inversion. Local okay. investors would have had positive returns investing in their home market after 36 months. So not, it's, you know, again, continue to invest and maintain your, your proper risk tolerance. So it's a good time to get a financial plan if you're really starting to feel scared, nervous, panic. 
anything coming up on your plate these days? Anything you want to promote? Anything uh, you want to push? Tomorrow, I'm going to talk a little bit about value investing. I mean, value investing is still continued to lag even during this inversion. So growth okay. investing has had the longest run versus value. And so we're going to look into that today and talk a little bit about it on tomorrow's show. You're a good man. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. There's a brand new website there. Go kick the tires. Get some of the resources there. There's some really good downloads and some really good blogs about hardcore financial planning content. It's all free to you at newfocusfinancial.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.